worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Today we sit down with Cruise Director Lee Mason aboard Carnival Celebration to chat all things, well, Lee Mason. We're going to learn a little bit about his background, his thoughts on the infamous e-mustard drill, the new safety drill that came along at the industry restart, and take some of your listener questions. As always, you can get caught up on the daily news on Cruise News Today. That's available Monday through Friday, where you consume your favorite podcast or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. A quick reminder, if you'd like to catch up on some of the behind-the-scenes footage, what happens around the radio ranch here, or get early access to our interviews, that's available on the Cruise Radio Patreon. That's patreon.com slash cruise radio. All right, let's jump into this interview with Lee Mason, Cruise Director aboard Carnival Celebration. So I first came across you when you shaved your head for St. Jude. I believe it was back in October of 2018 on a crossing. Mm -hmm. And I had no clue about you before that time. So what is your backstory like? What did you do before you came into Carnival? Oh, I worked for a small British cruise line, Cruise and Maritime Voyages, Mm -hmm. who unfortunately are no longer in service due to the pandemic. But there was a little flavor of Carnival there because they used to own the holiday Mm -hmm. or the former holiday. So I worked for them. I started out in the show, singing, dancing terribly. Um, But because I loved being on a ship, I desperately looked at my options, my skill set, and I was looking for a role that was going to keep me on board. Uh I saw the cruise director. I thought I I could talk before I could walk. I like people. I'm patient. And I thought that was my ticket to not having to sing and dance. So (laughs) I set my sights on that. I was hosting games, trivias. I was a DJ, not very good at that either. But eventually, I was promoted to be cruise director. I came to Carnival in 2016, and I am one of the few that was hired directly as a cruise director. So backing up before your tenure with the cruise lines, what was your background? Like, did you have like public speaking or re- entertainer or? Uh, yeah, theatre. So okay. I studied theatre. I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Okay. To study music theatre. I should have been an actor. I should have set my sights on just straight acting. Mm-hmm. But I had this kamikaze want to sing and dance despite it not being an innate talent. And I tried my best. I worked in children's theatre for a little while. I think it's because the expectation of kids isn't pitch perfect. Right. Energy and enthusiasm. (laughs) So I worked in children's theatre. I worked in entertainment and events, uh, holiday resorts in Europe. I did theatrical tours and I spent a year out in Hong Kong working for an events company. And we did everything from children's theater shows in schools to shopping mall installations, corporate events and parties. It was like a one-stop shop for intimate birthday parties in your back garden or Uh huge grand theaters, which I think really set me up 
further diversity on board because one minute I'm on the Lido deck, the next I'm hosting military appreciation or group of St. Jude. It's been great. It's funny how life has a way of setting you up for the next thing, right? Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's crazy how that happens. Did you get to work on the former holiday? I did. You did? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they renamed it to Magellan mm-hmm. or Magellan, I guess, yeah. depending on where you're from. But that was my first taste of, that was a big ship. Mm-hmm. Before that, they, I, I worked on, I believe it was the, the former island princess. Okay. The love boat. Ship right. Yeah. Hold maybe 500 sharks. Sure. And that was the biggest ship I'd ever worked on. And then this company purchased the farm that holiday and, and I was blown away at how big that ship was. It was huge. And we had like a grand theater rather than a, like a cabaret lounge. I thought I'd really hit the big time. <laughs> you worked your way up pretty fast too, like coming on to Carnival in 2016. Yeah. And then of course we had the shutdown. Actually, what did you do during the shutdown? Oh, very little. <laughs> okay. So were and you still involved with Carnival or were you doing? No, no. As, as crew members, we were contract to contract. Sure. So I was holding on. I knew I wanted to come back, but it was such an uncertain time for everybody. So I went home, home to my mom's house mm-hmm. and I was trying my best to avoid getting full-time employment because I'm I'm very much an all-in personality. Sure. Right. So I was trying to keep busy. I love photography. I spent a lot of time hiking. And then I volunteered as a DJ on my local radio station. Oh, fine. Just community radio. Right. But the carnival guests really came through for me because I had a trial. The station manager said, listen, we don't know you. You don't know us. We'd like to give you a shot. We'll put you on at like 3 a.m. UK time, which worked out brilliantly for a U.S. and Australian. Right, audience. yeah. So I put on my Facebook page, hey, everyone, I've got a shot on my local radio. You can tune in online. And they crashed the site. So awesome. it looked like I was some sort of gift <laughs> to radio. And then when I got the breakfast show, it was a bad time for everybody. So the numbers dropped dramatically. It was great. What was the format? I could play anything that I wanted from the top 40. And they asked me to speak about travel and the world, which was great. Yeah, yeah. Events just spattered with a little travel. So I'd pick a different port or a different cruise itinerary and just go through, hey, you know, in my time at sea, I've been to this port, maybe you've been. For those of you that have been, you know, you need to go and check out this, that, try this, go here, do that. There's something alluring about a life at sea. Like, so what is a day like in your shoes? Oh, I mean, I've got three very distinct days. A day like today uh, where we've had debarkation, embarkation. It starts really early, crack of dawn, like 5 a.m. We're getting up, preparing the vessel and the team, the flow of guests to debark. It's, it's a day of goodbyes, a day of celebration because, of mm-hmm. course, I guess I've hopefully had a wonderful week and they're looking forward to coming back. A quick team meeting, refresh, reset, lunch, and then we're welcoming guests who are super excited to be on vacation. And it's that quick turnaround, snapping into introductions or greeting old friends, sail away party, activate the fun welcome aboard. It's a busy, busy day. It starts early. It ends late. Our sea days are some of my favorites. It is hustle and bustle and it is event to event to event, but I love it. I like to be busy. I like to be engaged and and meeting people. Usually starts with a check of the emails. Everyone loves admin. (laughs) And then the wave, the morning show to start the day, to let the guests know what's happening out and about around the ship. Typically a main stage event, be it the follow show, follow board presentation or our family feud auditions, military appreciation. And then throughout the day, of course, popping up, changing, having dinner, introducing the shows, hopefully a deck party or some sort of high tempo evening event. 
and then emails again, more admin, off to bed. And then the last of the three days is a port day. They tend to start early, welcoming guests to the port, making sure that they know about the regulations of what we can and can't take ashore, when they've got to be back on board. And then that's time to breathe, typically. So it's filled with either naps, laundry, or training and paperwork. But that is slower days. Yeah. A little before the shutdown, they rolled out a new position on every ship called the entertainment director. So what is the difference between an entertainment director and the cruise director? Oh, okay. So formally, the cruise director would be hosting. They'd be the face and voice of the guest experience and having to attend meetings, dealing with a lot of administrative obligation. Mm -hmm. The company found that great stage personalities didn't always go hand in hand with a love of admin and organization. Sure. So they divided the job down the middle, basically between the administrative and clerical obligation of the former cruise director role, attending the meetings, communicating with head office, dealing with any personnel issues, HR issues, leaving the cruise director now to be more forward-facing, to be able to really come through on the guest-focused side of things and the main stage. So the entertainment director is the the head of the department, mm-hmm. but we work in a partnership, of gotcha. course, because we are the front man, I guess, and they are the rhythm section and everything else in between, and one can't function without the other. So how tricky is it managing the schedule? Because obviously you want to make sure that you're always doing something. You're as in the the, the the guests are always doing something, but you don't want to crowd too many people in one spot, right? Like you don't want to have something here, here, and here and nothing at the top. Like is it is it a tricky balance or is it? Yeah, I mean, it's a balance that I don't have to make, thankfully. Mm-hmm. The entertainment director deals with our guest flow, but it is definitely, there's a science to it. Mm-hmm. Because when a, a dining room, a restaurant lets out, sure. there's going to be a flow of guests. Yeah. So there has to be a series of pivot points, if you will, reasons to stop. So whether it's live music, an event in the shop, mm-hmm. maybe it's a bar with you know delicious cocktails or reasons to to peel off from the flow of guests. Yeah. The entertainment directors spend a lot of time looking at the flow and monitoring the behavior of guests, because you can anticipate one thing, but the beautiful thing about human nature is there's always going to be surprises along the way. For me, I'm responsible for the entertainment team, the fun squad, as we call them, and making sure that we have the right personalities in the right places and that I'm popping up. And it's it's just constant feedback and tweaking, trimming the sails, if you will. So when you joined Carnival, were you ever doing it all by yourself or did you always have an entertainment director? Oh, with Carnival... I was um, hired at the time that we were rolling out entertainment director and cruise director. So I went to the Carnival Valor mm-hmm. at its turnaround point. So I replaced a cruise director called Classy Cassie, mm-hmm. but I came in with a counterpart entertainment director and okay. we rolled out that model. Gotcha. It's a wonderful support, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, no, it seems um, like it. And I mean, the cruise director once upon a time would be the go-to person for any guest feedback or mm-hmm. assistance. And it's a beautiful thing to have the ability to elevate or escalate if there's a challenge or an issue up to the entertainment director who has a little more time to spend because there's nothing worse than feeling like you've got to rush away from somebody if you've got an obligation to host an event. Sure. Whereas the entertainment director has a little more time to sit, to listen, 
to solve problems or to help make arrangements. If it's a proposal or something like that, it yeah. can often uh, coordinate a little better for us. Gotcha. Great. These Excel ships are a departure for Carnival, with starting with the Mardi Gras in 21 and then the celebration last November. Coming from the smaller ships, mm-hmm. what was your first impression when you walked on board an Excel ship? Oh, I was blown away. And genuinely, and I came, I went to Mardi Gras from Panorama, which is far from a small ship, but compared to the Excel class, they're dwarfed, right? Right. I was blown away. Honestly, especially from the entertainment standpoint, to have Celebration Central or Grand Central on Mardi Gras, that that center stage area with the aerial performance capacity, the lights, even the the, the decor with the lights in the ceiling, the grandeur, the, the feeling of those two mezzanine balconies. Yeah. Coming from a theatrical background, mm-hmm. it felt really special, really special to have the roller coaster bolts, a roller coaster on top of a cruise ship. I know innovations have been just really pressing and pressing from across the industry, but to have the world's first roller coaster as well was thrilling. And I love riding it every single time. It doesn't get old. So it's really exciting. And the diversity available to our guests from dining to different entertainment venues. If you're wanting to relax and unwind and find your little piece of serenity, if you want to eat a different cuisine every night, there's just so much to do. And I think the ships have great repeatability. Sometimes guests say, I can't do it all. And I'm like, isn't that great that you couldn't squeeze it all in in seven days because you can come back and have a completely different experience next time. Being a theater major, do you prefer the theater like in the front of the ship the um grand spectrum theater or do you prefer the openness of the central stage there when you're doing performing it's really tough that's that's really tough because the central stage it feels so huge so grand but because of the the nature of the mezzanines and the way it's laid out there is a little detachment from the audience and I, and yeah. I love a personal connection i love to be able to look a person in the eye and to get a feel for how an event's going and how the temperature of the room, right? Yeah. Whereas like the Grand Spectrum Theatre or our theatres on, on the other ships, the main theatre in the front, if you will, we just have that ability to to connect. Yeah. I think across the other classes of ship, the main theatre with the balcony, they're always spectacular. Mm-hmm. Always. From the fantasy class right through. On the Excel class, oof. Oh, it's so hard. It depends on the event because... Celebration Central Hero Celebration is beautiful and you can't be in awe of it. But the energy in the Grand Spectrum, because there's a lot more seats and it's tighter packed. Yeah. It's like a pressure cooker for experience. Sure. So, oh, that's a tough one. I can imagine if if someone had ADD like myself and I was doing something here, I would probably get distracted with the husband and wife yelling at each other for spending too much (laughs) in the casino and just totally lose my train of thought. So I would probably prefer like the Grand Spectrum type environment because I just get distracted super easily. But speaking of like the shows though, in the theaters, what shows are exclusive to Celebration? Exclusive to Celebration, we've got the most magnificent circus, Mm -hmm. the aerial performance out in Celebration Central. It's incredible. Coming from Mardi Gras, where they had Voodoo Moo, the most magnificent circus puts more of our performers in the air on such a huge variety of apparatus, if that's the technical term. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is huge. And every time I pass through the show, because I'm always running from A to B, but when I pass through the show, I notice something different and, and a different piece of choreography. And I've been on the ship since November. So that's that's huge. But 
that show is special and Color My World is currently only found here as well from the Playlist Productions mm-hmm. cast. And the, the songbook for that show, I just love because we've got everything from Prince to Mumford and Son, Lady yeah. Gaga, and the representation in the show as well. Uh, there's a, a real inclusive element to the casting and the partnerships throughout it. And I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. What are your thoughts on the new e-muster process? I mean, right outside the piano bar here, we have B6 happening. <laughs> so like, what are your, what are your thoughts of that moving forward with this whole new system instead yeah. of having to wait and line up or what, what have you? I think it's really successful. And the avid cruisers welcomed the addition. The U.S. Coast Guard have, have really embraced it as well. I think it's, it's really positive that you can come in on a very intimate setting and be given a safety briefing and to truly digest the importance of what's being shared. Mm-hmm. Back in the day when it was the, the sardines, traditional one guest safety briefing, everyone's out on the embarkation deck or in the muster stations. I understand that it's one and done, but I'm not sure if the message was really resonating with, with everybody. And we improve all the time. And I think that e-muster is a real blessing to come through such a turbulent and testing time for the industry. I think it's really, really successful. And the guests that have cruised a lot have really embraced it. We have a great, a great attendance here on board celebration. I can only talk for, for this ship and my sure. experience here in Miami, but we, we've had a wonderful attendance. The guests seem happy. Of course, it does mean a little extra work for the crew, mm-hmm. but I think it's, I think it's worth it. I truly do, because safety is paramount. And the fact that you get to go to your master station, you get that interaction, and we know that the message has been received. I'm all for it. I've said with you a couple of times where like, you're getting down to the wire and you were saying 8% of you guys have not done it yet and you get yes. a figure. Does there have to be a cross a threshold in order to sail? There's an ideal, there's an ideal threshold, right? Okay. As far as a number that we've got to hit, the more the merrier, right? Yeah. And and it is genuinely a dedication to safety at sea. Mm-hmm. So our safety officer here on board, we sit and we look and we look for 96%. Now that's not an, an official, you've got to hit at least 96%. But we follow up. Mm-hmm. Anybody that doesn't attend, there is a, a follow-up because you have to receive that information. That is a regulation that guests have to yeah. know what to do in the event of an emergency. So it's easier for everybody when people show up because there's less follow-up and less chasing around. Occasionally, and I know my fellow cruise directors will sometimes try and bring a little levity mm-hmm. and be like, come along, put the burger down. Right. Or I think in the past I'd made a comment about enlisting the help of Liam Neeson because of his <laughs> got a particular set of skills and we will find you. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's vital. I hope I never have to call our guests mm-hmm. to their muster stations. But there are case studies and lessons that have been learned over time with incidents that have passed everything from the Titanic right through that we need to, we need to make sure that we're looking after people, especially when the ships are getting bigger and bigger and there's mm-hmm. more lives. It is vital that we know what to do and everyone takes it seriously. You have a way with words. You're definitely a wordsmith. Almost, I think you could be a motivational or you may have oh. missed your calling to be a motivational speaker yeah. because. When you went on leave, you posted something on either your TikTok or a reel. I don't think it was on this ship, but you were telling people to live in the moment. And I lost my dad over Christmas and it really resonated with me whenever I um, heard that because yeah. it's like him passing and losing a loved one, it rewires your brain. 
mm-hmm. and it like makes you want to just live for the moment and live for now. Yeah. Get your head out of your phone. Like that's one thing I've I've learned since since he passed to just be in the moment yeah. at all times. What is one wish you have for someone who is sailing with you? Just that. Exactly what you said. To be in the moment and to be present mm-hmm. and to make the most of every single moment. When I look back on my childhood, mm-hmm. I mean growing up without giving you my full life story, it's been me and my mom mm-hmm. for the most part. And when I look at my treasured memories with my mom, they come from vacation. And when she's visited me on ships, even in adulthood, I'll never forget her 60th birthday when she came and cruised on the dream. And she dressed up in full 80s gear. She'd been out on our cruises before and been quite reserved. And she'll, of course, come and support. She'd never once dressed up. And on her 60th birthday, she came out looking like some sort of Jane Fonda, Olivia Newton-John <laughs> throwback. And to the point where I didn't recognize her, she came and stood right in front of me. And it's just these moments where you can escape your day-to-day troubles, whether it's your obligation from work, whether it's running a household or something much deeper and more serious. People embark and set sail, whether it's three days, whether it's five days, whether it's seven days. And you can just focus on being present, making the most of whoever you're on the ship with, and whether it's people that traveled with you or people that you're meeting on board, crew members, fellow guests. Mm -hmm. I think it's really special and you can take so much more than just a souvenir T-shirt or a shot glass from a cruise. Rest, recuperation, you know, rediscovery. I I really do. I value vacation so much. So to put a bow on this interview, I have like four listener questions here. Yeah. Ask you, feel free to elaborate or say pass if you don't want to answer it. So, um, the first one says, have you noticed a difference in guest behavior pre and post shutdown or restart? You know what? Yeah, I have. I, and I think it's the world over. Mm-hmm. There's definitely an awareness of crowds. I think we are very aware of, of people and what's going on. Mm-hmm. The world is slowly creeping back to what we knew as normality. I do think there is a, an awareness of crowds and, and stranger danger and people's tolerance of other people. I think we're still readjusting yeah, and settling. I really do. And, and I try and encourage it, cruise after cruise, that we get along, we embrace each other, and we share a little bit of kindness as, as like peace and love as that is. I do think we need to remember a little bit of community, patience and tolerance and acceptance. And also the the other side of that is people just so grateful to be out doing things and living for the moment. Mm -hmm. I think the COVID pandemic taught us that we can't take anything for granted because so many of us would never have imagined that the cruise industry would have shut down. And it did. And beyond that, many of us were like confined to our regions or our towns, our areas unprecedented was a word that was ringing out so much, but it's true. None of us saw it coming. And I think on the other side, the positive is that so many people are embracing living in the moment, making the most of their time. And we're just settling into that sweet spot of Mm -hmm. harmony again. And I think we're getting there. I really do. We are. I mean, it's not just a cruise thing either. No, like I, I travel all around the world and I could it's a 48 minute flight back home for me tonight. And someone's going to have a meltdown. They do it every time I'm on a flight. Yes. Like, um, international flight there's always three or four meltdowns um theme parks i've seen that happen a lot so i agree ports of call cities up cruise ships don't even go to people have meltdowns so i think it's a it's a global thing yeah 
I think it's just when you're in a smaller, tight space on a cruise ship, probably tempers can flare a little more than if you're, you know. Yeah. You know. And I think we're aware of it as well now. Yeah. I, I think it's like when you when you look to buy a new car and then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. Yeah. I, I think it's an awareness thing as well. So these meltdowns, as you put it, I think people are just a little more aware. Maybe once upon a time, they were just something happened. Oh, something kicked off. But now it's like, what's going on there? What's going on there? Exactly. Next question says, what is life like below deck? Oh, that's a a listener question. I hate to disappoint because I know people watch below deck or Bravo (laughs) or they've seen dirty dancing and they think, oh, those entertainment crew people are like, partying wildly every single night it's not quite like that there's a beautiful sense of harmony and a merge of cultures and experiences that is so rich one of my favorite things about working on a on a cruise ship is meeting people from all around the world Mm -hmm. and sharing customs and celebrations and cuisine we do have crew welfare programs where there will be an occasional party but nothing like you see on that below deck program but yeah, I'd say we've got a, a wonderful community of people from all around the world. And it's really cool to know that I could probably pop up in most countries and write on Facebook, hey, I'm wherever. What can I do? Does anyone have any suggestions on what I should do? And someone is likely to reach out. I think that's such a gift that's maybe overlooked by being a crew member. But if they were hoping for, yeah, debauchery and uh, wild antics, I think once upon a time that was maybe a thing, but I definitely missed it. <laughs> I got fair enough. <laughs> um, I've never cruised before. What advice do you have for someone who is afraid to cruise because they might get seasick? Oh, first of all, don't be. Don't be afraid. And my mom, deathly seasick. Mm-hmm. I mean, she gets sick on a, on a boating lake, never mind the ocean. But there are wonderful remedies now. And whether it's like medicinal remedies that you can pick up at the pharmacy or have prescribed, a lot of people wear those little, I think it's called scopoderm patches. I can't endorse the use of any medicine. Speak to your physician. But um, there's wristbands, there's Dramamine, and then there's like old wives' tales or old seafarers' tricks like green apples, ginger, going out, keeping an eye on the horizon, fresh air. There's different things for different people. Science would say get a cabin towards the middle, in the middle, in the middle, because it would be the pivot point for any motion, whether it's pitching or rolling in the middle, in the middle. But I would say you never know unless you try. So book on a shorter cruise, maybe a four day. I would, a three day, if a push, but I'd say you need four or five days to truly embrace a cruise experience. And if you're worried about being seasick, speak to a physician about your options for medicines, but only use them if you need them. That's it. You could probably add on that too. Like, you probably don't want to do a transatlantic cruise in November on your first sailing or do a cruise in hurricane season where yes. how active it is in the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. for instance. And go easy on the cocktails on yeah. day one <laughs> because was it seasickness or was it something else? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, in closing here, Lee, uh, you've been all over the world with the two cruise lines. Yeah. What's your favorite, like, first off, what's your favorite itinerary on celebration and word? Where would you go if you've cruised to before to, to vacation for a week? Okay, on celebration, it's a tough one because as much as my heart screams our Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Mahogany Bay run because they're very familiar and they're crew favorite ports, mm-hmm. I think there's something very special about St. Thomas. Yeah, for sure. We just come back from St. Thomas. We're off to St. Martin this week, but 
it's a toss up between both of those itineraries. They're incredible. My favorite itinerary that I've ever done, I guess my heart longing to go back would suggest that Alaska, um, I, I have unfinished business in Alaska and I'd love to go back to Australia to, to cruise New Zealand. I've never done it. I'd love to see New Zealand and uh, I'd love to sell out in New York as well. I'd love to sell out in New York, but Alaska, definitely. If your listeners have never seen Alaska, photographs don't do it justice. It is so special, magical. Um, so that's top of my list. St. Thomas is one of those places too, where I, I went years ago yeah. and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And then I went back a couple of more, a couple of years later and went over to St. John for the day. I fell in love with that place. And now I go there just to get an Airbnb for three or four days when I want to just get a little break because yeah. it's just so chill. Yeah. Especially when there's no ships in port. It's even <laughs> chill. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just a kind of come as you are vibe and everyone's cool. And yeah, it's really a, it's a really cool place down there. We've been talking with Lee Mason. He's the cruise director here on Carnival Celebration. Lee, where can we find you online? I'm Lee, your cruise director on Facebook, on Instagram. I've just started a YouTube channel. It's in its infancy. But if you want to see that journey unfold, it's Lee, your cruise director on YouTube. Lee, your CD on Twitter, because Elon Musk was very frugal with his character count. <laughs> and I've got a TikTok as well, Lee, your cruise director. Very good. Lee, it was good talking to you, my friend. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Like and subscribe and do all of that sharing good stuff. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Oh. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.